You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today on the show, we are joined by Joel Tillerson, an alderman from Wabatosa, and Jim Archambault, the city administrator. Joel has served as the city's 5th district council representative since 2012. Jim has been the city administrator since 2006. We'll spend the next half hour learning about our neighbors to the west, so don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit mute. We'll be right back. Jim and Joel, welcome to City Beat. Jeremy, thanks for having us. Before we go too far, I want to run over some quick Wauwatosa demographics. I grabbed them from the Census Bureau. Feel free to dispute them, if you will. But just so people know, uh, Wauwatosa, as of 2010, had about 46,000 residents. Uh, it's growing, but like Milwaukee, it's down from a 1970 high, in Wauwatosa's case, of 58,000 residents. It's about 90% white, 5% African-American, 3% Latino. Similar to Milwaukee, it voted for Tony Evers and Hillary Clinton in the latest major elections. And so at a 30,000-foot view, it's pretty politically similar. But one of the big stark differences is 7.1% of the residents as of 2017, according to the Census Bureau, live in poverty versus Milwaukee, that's 27%. Wauwatosa's median household income is $75,000. Milwaukee's is 38000 But obviously, that doesn't mean Wauwatosa is without challenges. And in some ways, I'm sure those demographics create their own challenges. So I guess let's let's start firing away. Tell us a bit about yourselves. Well, as you said, I've been an alderman in Wauwatosa since 2012. I'm uh, nearing the end of my second term. Got involved uh, basically because I felt that I represented the the uh, changing trend in the eastern half of Wauwatosa, which is youthful uh, residents moving in, older residents moving out, uh, and a need to to experience some redevelopment to accommodate the newer residents. And I love it. Every day has been been great. Every council meeting, we've had some great debates. Your recitation of the statistics at the beginning, uh, you nailed it on the head. Our, our blessings are also our challenges. And uh, lately, our council has been where on heading those off. And tell us real quick, what is the district? So my district is from 60th until 80th, east to west, and it's the north side of north to center street. So geographically, about 20 blocks east to west, four blocks north and south, a very compact district. Each district in Wauwatosa has approximately 5,500 residents. And so your district, the eastern border is Milwaukee's western border, the Uptown Crossing neighborhood. Exactly, exactly. And Jim? I've been in uh, public administration doing essentially this type of job for over 20 years here in Wauwatosa, as you, as you said, for about 12. And one of the most exciting or challenging and interesting parts of my job uh, stem from what you described as every municipality has its own set of, of issues, none probably unique, but a unique set of challenges. And so sometimes in our case, like others, it's realizing that some of the problems that you might not necessarily attribute to a given community are there. And so even to realize that um, some of the same challenges that we the, the city of Milwaukee deals with, we have those same issues and challenges and need to be able to deal with them in a way that's appropriate for the given community. And I'd like to make a distinction right away. Joel, you are an elected official in the city of Wauwatosa. Yes. Jim, you are, the I believe, the top unelected official in the city. 
And so your bosses are really Joel and his 15 colleagues and then the <laughs> <Right>. mayor. <laughs> Correct. Right. And we should note as well that Jim and I are related. So if you think I'm being too nice to him, I'm really am just trying to get that last piece of turkey at Thanksgiving. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, Joel, I guess you were the one that reached out a first time. What do you describe yourself as? Long time listener, first time caller. Here first time we are. Emailer. Right. <laughs> yes. right. You wanted to come on the show and talk about Wabatosa. One of the big things that you mentioned that particularly piques my interest is that Wabatosa, when you think about suburbs, you think about growth, just endless growth into green fields forever and you're just paving paradise to put up a parking lot. Wauwatosa's challenges are entirely different than that. You're land constrained. How does Wauwatosa approach its growth with that knowledge? Right now it's redevelopment um, because as you mentioned, we are a largely built out community and we're, we're juggling so many different conflicting issues. One is people who might have moved to Wauwatosa a long time ago and are seeking to preserve what was once a more suburban community. And we're confronting the, the expansion of the urban environment, uh, which is coming into Wauwatosa, Whitefish Bay, Shorewood, some of those first ring suburbs. Uh, and there's, there's a collide uh, between the two. There are some differing mindsets and we're, we're struggling to balance those two, uh, our, our embracing of the urban environment with uh, a preservation of, of our own individual community and, and the people who helped build that community. So it's falling squarely on redevelopment, how we're approaching redevelopment, what sort of density we're embracing, how sympathetic we are to neighbor concerns when we're uh, pursuing density uh, to make sure that we're expanding our tax base the uh, least offensive way possible. The least offensive way possible. Is that, is that a good po po politician way to put it? <laughs> I suppose so. And Jim, how does that reality affect your job? It becomes more difficult to, to find those opportunities for projects to happen. There, there aren't areas that, that simply have no um, counterba countervailing um, uh, influence or, or, or um, benefit or detriment to, to some adjacent neighborhood. So we're constantly trying to struggle with the, the need for growth, particularly given constraints on our budgets by levy uh, limits and things like that, while um, trying to be sensitive to the neighbors and still trying to pay, if you will, pay the bills. And when I, when I think about Milwaukee's budget, I think of, I mean, intimate knowledge of covering it, of kind of, you know, the police department takes up the entire property tax levy and then everyone else is fighting for scraps. How does that situation play out in Wauwatosa? In, in Wauwatosa, about approximately 55% of our uh, budget is police and fire. And so we have uh, more than half that's invested into public safety. And so as those costs rise, um, obviously we have to struggle with where else do we get uh, resources from. We've done an awful lot to try to be as efficient as we possibly can in every department. Uh, but as we continue... Uh, trying to deal with levy limits, it becomes ever more difficult to find that next savings, that next opportunity to constrain our costs. And what is something like Mayfair Mall, this big colossus of economic activity, how does that impact the city of Wauwatosa? Well, from a political standpoint, it's, it's front and center in many of our discussions because we're thinking about the changing retail environment. Um, you know, Mayfair Mall is the 800-pound the gorilla in the room that uh, we need to protect, uh, but at the same time, they are a large component of our tax base, uh, and oh, oh, we do have to navigate those waters with them. Um, there's been some challenges lately, but, uh, but we do recognize that, that Mayfair is a regional draw, if not a statewide draw, for people who are coming to what's probably the premier mall in the state, um, and we're balancing that with 
uh, recognizing that uh, there's an emphasis on local retail and, and a desire to support local retail, and yet we have this mall right here in our back, backyard. And when I think of Wauwatosa, I kind of picture the Tosa Village, but yet there's Joel, there's your district. It's it's not, I don't. I guess I don't know if actually it's less or more dense than Tosa Village, but it's, it's a different feel. There's the area around Mayfair, there's the new Mayfair collection. There's Wauwatosa is a city of many different neighborhoods that are drastically different. Joel, how does that impact how you and your colleagues relate to one another? Oh, that's. A, I mean, that's a good question. Um, for a while, it was just two uh, really retail corridors. It was the the village, as you said, and then Mayfair Mall, um, and that's now expanded. There's the East Tosa neighborhood, which is my district. Roughly 69th and North is is sort of the nucleus of that area. Uh, we've got the Mayfair Collection, as you mentioned, which is more of a strip mall area, but it's becoming its own kind of separate identity. The alders from the different districts recognize the need to support each district, but at the same time want to advocate projects for their own area too. So uh, I've been, as the alderman for the East Toast area, I've been very zealous in advancing a lot of the infrastructure projects that we've done over the past six, seven years, um, and have been happy to have the support of my colleagues on that. But at the same time, those colleagues that are supporting projects in my district uh, in turn will want support for, for initiatives and efforts in, in their own commercial districts. And I think we, we worked well on that. Everyone recognizes that you're supporting one area uh, in exchange for supporting another area and that no, no one part of the city is being forgotten as we have these budgetary discussions. And one of the things I think is unusual about Wauwatosa is that there's two individuals representing each district. How does that impact how you go about advocating for policy or anything, I guess? Oh, I mean, it can be, it, it, the good part about that is that we have four standing committees on our council uh, and we've structured it so that each committee has eight people on it. Uh, one from each district at all times. So every part of the city is equally represented on all committees at the city level. Uh, that's a change from where we were five or six years ago when we had it uh, a little, we had more committees and they were a little more spread out. At the same time, as Jim, I'm sure will, and maybe not silently, or maybe he'll silently nod agreement, but um, for a, a city that's roughly 50,000 people to have 16 members that are essentially the board of directors for the city, at times it, it can be a, a bit much. Uh, we have discussions, and if you have all 16 people wanting to weigh in and then be reheard, some of our meetings tick on a lot longer than they should. Uh, it, it's something that I think our council um, wants to evaluate some point in the future and see, but uh, the, the argument sw shifts to both sides on that. If you restrict the size of the council, then what are you going to do to address the, the, the more responsibilities that are going to shift to lesser members. And you're, right now, you said before we started recording, you re represent about 5,500 people, is that correct? Approximately per district, right. And it, being an elected official in Wabatosa, that's a part-time position, right? Very part-time, <laughs> by, by definition, yeah. <laughs> All right, and so what do you do for your day job? I'm an attorney, yeah. And how do you think that helps or hurts your ability to, I mean, we won't hold it against you, but how does that influence your background? How does that influence what's happening at night when you're being an elected official? Well, that's probably the best part about a 16-member council is that we have, I think, three or four attorneys on the council. Um, so it's good that we're not all, I mean, you'd, no elected body would be good if it was just all, you know, one profession. Um, so I think that's good because the attorneys provide um, their own kind of viewpoint on things. Um, we have a lot of um, parents on the council. We have a lot of uh, business leaders on the council. So when you have a 16 members, you have a, a wider variety of people that are providing different expertise. So I personally, I do think that being a lawyer helps uh, in providing, I can, can address some constitutional issues, given my limited background in constitutional law. 
Um, so when we do have committee discussions and we're writing ordinances, we can navigate those waters by um, by giving, I can give a different perspective and, and sort of complement or, or question what our city attorney raises. All right. And one thing I'm particularly interested in, my friend is a joke about this, East North Avenue in Wauwatosa, or West North Avenue, sorry, the eastern half of Wauwatosa, it's just absolutely booming, and it looks like it's going to continue that way. Yeah. Uh, Joel, you've been there for most of that gym. It seems like you've been there for all of that now. What is causing that to happen? When I came in in 2012, when I got elected, um, the foreclosure rate was quite high in my neighborhood. We were coming off of the recession. The, a lot of the storefronts were empty. Uh, we were concerned that that concern about the changing retail environment was already well underway. So we commissioned a, a master plan for the North Avenue, and I think the smartest decision our council, with the support of our administration, uh, did was to um, fund that the implementation of that plan and each year dedicate money to projects to advance that. Uh, and we were able to, so we've done, there's uh, significant um, infrastructure along North Avenue, uh, roadway improvements. We added bike lanes where they didn't exist. We added a, po a pocket park at 69th and North, which if you haven't seen it, it's, it's incredible, especially at night when it's lit up. Uh, those draws have attracted businesses to the neighborhood, which are keeping the storefronts occupied. Uh, the, the occupied storefronts are translating to a desire to live in the neighborhood, uh, which eliminated the foreclosures. Now we are pro one of the most desirable areas in all of Metro Milwaukee. Uh, homes are on the market for less than 24 hours. They're selling for much higher than they were 10 years ago. Um, so I think that it's just been this domino effect that uh, with city assistance into the neighborhood, um, it's, it's triggered a different series each way. And, and every time something else is triggered, something else is triggered, and it's all been for the positive. I would add to that that I, I believe that the cities have to be able to recognize opportunities like that and pursue their own investments to show that they um, intend for a, a good um, future for a given area. And so by putting the investments in that, that Joel's speaking to, by doing things in, even in water and sewer, as un, unsexy as that is, those demonstrate an investment that then um, signals to the private sector that the community is willing to put something into that area. Hopefully they will come along, hopefully they'll be drawn along, and together really trying to create the atmosphere in which um, not just uh, do you see um, the investment that we've seen in the business community, but the residential community. The, the challenge is, is always though, that as soon as you sit idle, others will pass you by. The investments will go elsewhere, the private investment, if you don't um, continue to uh, foster that growth. Well, well, that leads me to a, a natural question then. I've watched East Tosa, all of a sudden it had Red Dot, it had Bel Air Cantina, there's probably a couple other East Side businesses over there. What's next for the East North Avenue corridor? Are you going to steal Bradford Beach from the East Side? <laughs> what is the move? Yeah, it's funny. You know, every uh, April Fool's Day of every year on Milwaukee runs a, a kind of an April Fool's edition. And uh, one year is a couple of years ago. They that was an exact issue. They were um, making fun of all these different Wauwatosa getting these second and third businesses. But uh, the reality is that those those businesses, the Bel Air Cantina, the Camp Bar, the Red Dots, uh, those are the draws that help us bring in the smaller business because you need the, the you need the main business that has the the resources to invest in the, their space to do a complete build out, um, to do the marketing to get people to that business, and then the smaller storefronts will occupy 
uh, with the more mom pa shops who just want to be in proximity to um, the bigger draws. So uh, we have no regrets in bringing in like a camp bar and a Bel Air cantina. And, and people might laugh and go, oh, it's you know becoming a chain at this point. But uh, we never felt that way. We always felt that uh, we were validating the, the vitality of the, the commercial corridor by recruiting these businesses to come in. And, um, and in turn, the neighborhood's been very loyal to them and appreciative of their efforts. So one of the things I'm really interested in, in in watching this boom on the Wauwatosa side of the line, now it seems like the Uptown Crossing Milwaukee side is catching up. What are the ways that those two sides of the same street can work together better? Yeah, I love it. Um, and I and that was something we were hoping for. Um, you know, we don't want, we want to kind of tear down the impression that there's a wall, that 60th is a wall between Milwaukee and, and Wauwatosa. And while there may be slight differences, the street signs are different colors. Uh, we want everyone to know that this is really just one long corridor and it's working. You've got Venture Brewing that's going in there and Tusk, uh, which is a McBob's outlet. Um, Uptown Crossing, it's my understanding, is working on a master plan themselves. Uh, which I'll you know use this opportunity as a plug for any you know official out there. A master plan is just so key to your to hire a professional to come up with a bigger vision and design that that you can then at, you know implement through funding. If you're dedicated to that and if you're seeing the plan through as it's been designed, I think it speaks for itself and it can just automatically get that ball rolling. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We want Uptown Crossing to be uh, a partner with us to be this continuous streak. Uh, I know a lot of people have that. We're in my district and frequenting the, the business in my district uh, are very excited about being able to to help continue that potential further east uh, and then ultimately march it just all the way down to the lakefront uh, make north avenue its own retail corridor uh, prominent in some of the bigger cities you see where there are notable streets that that have that kind of continuous stretch and is there a business improvement district on the Wauwatosa side, or is it just all happening organically? So we tried twice. We had uh, efforts to implement a bid in East Tosa. Uh, they failed very narrowly. Uh, usually if you just have one or two of the big property owners that object to it, that could be enough to, I, I think it's 60-40 if I, if I recall correctly on what you, um, that it only takes 40% opposition for a bid to not um, be successful. And um, so the effort's not dead. I know that, that there's intentions to bring that back. Uh, Uptown Crossing has a bid, and people comment all the time about, oh, at, at Christmas they've got um, you know Christmas signs on the on the light posts. Right now they've got very beautiful flowers up and down there, and people wonder why we don't have that in East Tosa. And I say the answer is obvious: if they have a bid, and we don't. Um, so it would take a team of volunteers to do that. Versus if you have a bid and you can pay someone to to sort of do that on the side, it it makes a big difference. Yeah, and a bid for our listeners, a business improvement district is a, a self-taxing entity that's often supported by the municipality. Then. That if you look at like Milwaukee downtown, that's a bid that's putting on downtown dining week. They're offering support for Sculpture Milwaukee. Jim, are there bids in Wauwatosa? We only have one presently, and that is the village bid. And so, just as Joel describes, you can see a discernible difference where there are, there are uh, attributes to it that they're able to fund themselves that over and above what the city does. And I guess tell us a bit about what's happened in downtown or not in downtown Wauwatosa, but the village. Uh, which effectively is downtown Wauwatosa. The last couple of times I've been there, there's been construction just all over the place. What's happening? Yeah, so we had, uh, when we did the master plan for the East Tosa area, we simultaneously did one for the village. And the East Tosa one got sort of the first effort, the first crack at it. Uh, but then these projects, a, a group of alders noticed that these projects in the village were being done kind of incrementally. We'd, we'd 
take an intersection fix here, an intersection fix there. And at one point, the group just said, why are we not just doing the holistic approach here so that we don't have this hodgepodge uh, where they've got a chopped up road and a different looking sidewalk, uh, just do it holistically as the master plan called. And so we recently completed, it was a three or four year undertaking, significant investment on behalf of the city to revitalize the village. It looks fantastic. Uh, we, we're getting um, you know, widespread compliments on that, uh, on the look and feel. All the storefronts are occupied. Um, there's demand to, to relocate into the village. So it was, a, I think, a wise investment on the council's part. Uh, we have to be mindful, you know, what Watosa does, that uh, we are in friendly competition with the Shorewoods and the Whitefish Bays, those first rings. Milwaukee's going to be its own. It's always going to be its own entity and it always have its own distinct neighborhoods. But those first ring suburbs, uh, when you're looking for the camp bars of the Bel Air Cantinas that are going to want to uh, look for a second location and maybe look for it outside of Milwaukee, they're looking at really three different cities, and that's Whitefish Bay, Shorewood, and Wauwatosa. And, West uh, Dallas is really upset right now. The West Dallas <laughs> is super upset. Uh, sorry, Mayor Devine, uh, you're fantastic. But um, it, it's, and they're, they're catching up. I don't want to discount West Dallas. I mean, I think they've, they contact us a lot and ask um, for insight on, on the, the political background and some of the stuff that we've did. And I, certain alders will reach out to me and ask, how'd you do this? How'd you get it done? We want to explore this here. And um, I think what they've got, well, what West Dallas has going around the, their farmer's market is a, a really great potential for them. Uh, but, you know, really, the, the other three cities, we've sort of been kind of neck and neck in terms of being that top tier uh, first ring suburb. And we looked at the investment and said, hey, we Shorewood just did Oakland Avenue. And uh, if we want to com- keep competitive with these guys, we got to do something ourselves. And again, they did it by getting a camp bar as well. So they're... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, camp bar. I mean, That's it's, the missing ingredient, yeah, no, I guess. No everywhere. kidding. <laughs> so what are the big challenges that Wauwatosa is going to have to overcome? What are the big opportunities that Wauwatosa has in front of it in the next five years? Politically speaking, it is definitely um, the pursuit of redevelopment and density as we're a built-out community with restrictions on on how we can expand the tax levy at the state level that um, I don't think are going away anytime soon. Wauwatosa has to pursue sustainable development. Uh, and so when we get these development opportunities, we're rejecting single-story developments with large surface parking lots and instead asking for something that's that's going to have a more long-term benefit to the city and those are denser developments where we might ask the developer to incorporate underground parking developers routinely ask for tiff assistance with that that's a separate debate a lot of people in wauwatosa have questions about the city's use of tiff i defend it that we've been uh, very prudent and very responsible in our use of tiff but some people you know are, are scrutinize that uh, density is its own issue, especially if you're pursuing a denser project in a more urban part of the city uh, where you have single-family residences in close proximity. Uh, those are almost unanimously opposed by the people that live around them. But um, there's a, a good majority, I think, on the council that recognizes the value of pursuing these denser projects in the urban parts of the city and recognizing that by adding population right to the commercial corridor, you're in turn bringing people with expendable income and um, and a willingness to support those businesses right on site. And what does density really look like to you in terms of what you think Wauwatosa is going to get? We're seeing, I think it's Fox Point that has that 30-story tower proposed. Is something like that going to fly in Wauwatosa? There's a redevelopment of a office tower at Mayfair right now into a hotel. What What's the ideal density form? Yeah, certainly a 30-story tower wouldn't fly in, in my part of the district, um, the, the far east end. But um, we've got parts of the west side of the city around Mayfair Mall, and I don't. And I want to, to any listener, I want to alert them that there's nothing proposed out there, nothing coming. But um, I do wink, think, wink, wink, wink. Yeah, wink, wink, <laughs> wink. Yeah, nothing. I, I promise you, nothing. But um, those, there are parts of the city out there that I do think 
can sustain a much taller development than what we've been seeing. Uh, it, with the, you brought up the Mayfair Mall, the hotel, uh, that was set to be raised and replaced by two single-story buildings, single-story restaurants, and the council pushed back, um, and we had a fantastic hotel operator. It's the same operators of the, uh, the Kimpton Hotel in the Third Ward that came in with a very, um, very impressive hotel uh, proposal that has a rooftop deck uh, that has panoramic views of the city from up there. And, and we were willing to say, this is such a, going to be such a draw. It's going to help Mayfair Mall. It's going to allow us to preserve the tower and our ability to tax this as an 11-story tower instead of a single-story restaurant. And we worked with the developers to get that proposal underway. And I think to see more projects like that in that range, in that height range over there are wholly appropriate, and we've got plenty of space to accommodate it without being offensive to any of the neighboring properties. And has Wauwatosa done anything with its zoning code? I know you served on the plan commission for a while, maybe even you still do. What, uh, is there a push towards like a form-based code or something, or how does development get approved in Wauwatosa? We are, and I'll let Jim comment on the, the we have what's currently underway before the council, our, really our first, I think, attempt at a form-based code, um, what we're doing, what's called the Midtown uh, Tosa section, which is a little further west of my district. Uh, when we did the East Tosa plan and the village plan, both of those had a separate set of recommendations for zoning changes, and in simul simultaneous to approving those plans, we approved the, the set of zoning changes for those. But um, as we're doing in Midtown, it is a, a form-based code. I'm very excited about it. I, I, I'm a, a fan of form-based code, zoning code. Um, we have, in different parts of the city, in anticipating where we're going to need to pursue redevelopment, we have taken on some um, preemptive zoning changes just to... Um, we've got a redevelopment district on the far west side just to let people know that that's an area that we want to entice a redevelopment potential with as few roadblocks as possible. And Jim, are, have there been opportunity zones identified for Wauwatosa? Uh, what, you're shaking your head no. Mm -hmm. So there's not a single opportunity zone in Wauwatosa? No, not, not in the sense like uh, you'll see a few in Milwaukee. We have, we have none identified. Wow. So that's, was, did Wauwatosa submit any to the state or did it just not qualify for? Didn't qualify. Well, that is fascinating. Well, that lends itself to something else I wanted to talk about, affordable housing. Milwaukee, there's a big push for new development in a lot of areas, and that push often takes the form of low-income housing tax credit projects. How are those proposals received in Wauwatosa? Have there any that have been built recently? It's it's a challenge, uh, no doubt. It's it's You mentioned at the beginning when you were going through some of the, the statistics of Wauwatosa that um, our blessings are also our curses, where we have uh, more moderate to upper income residents, but at the same time, a lot of people are forgetting that we still do have lower income residents in the city. So we've been mindful, our, our council over these past few years has been more mindful of, of how we need to address that. We approved a housing study uh, and, a, and, a, and implemented some of those recommendations about where to incorporate um, affordable housing opportunities. We recently approved a very large affordable housing project that's going to be uh, if it, if all goes as planned, down in the village area, it's going to be on the far east end of the city. Um, we are talking in May vote uh, tonight on uh, an accessory dwelling unit, ADU, uh, for any new urbanists out there, an ADU proposal where we will allow people to... Um, put second dwellings on their property. Uh, they can, you know, use those dwellings as rental income. They can, which I think in turn has a has a, a nod to affordable housing opportunities. Yeah, they're known as the granny flat because it's granny an affordable flats. spot for it, grandma to live. Exactly. So whether they put those, I mean, you see that commercial with the she shed that got struck by lightning. Whether people are putting she sheds in their backyard or actual um, mini houses in their backyard or building units above their garage, um, those I think are prime affordable housing opportunities that the average Joe can can take on themselves. It's it 
provides the city an opportunity to um, have some affordable opportunity and is you know immersed in the neighborhoods uh, and at the same time it gives the ten the uh, property owner a rent, an opportunity for rental income a side hustle if you will and real quickly I want to let you promote the mural program you suggested we talk about yeah I'm yeah, super excited about it and when we're off the air here I'm gonna show you some of the we, we've narrowed it down to our finalists and I know you're gonna get a huge kick there they're amazing artists we had uh, about six weeks we had a call for artists out uh, we've got over a hundred submissions um, the jury met both Sunday night and uh, Monday night uh, uh, and we looked through the submissions and narrowed it down to a selection for six different walls uh, with uh, an alternate so really down to 12 uh, the Tourism Commission is sponsoring that, so they will get an opportunity to review those and then ultimately vote on implementing them. If that goes as planned, uh, we anticipate having the murals uh, being installed over two weeks in July. Uh, we have a, a great mix of local artists, uh, including a Wauwatosa artist that's in the mix, uh, Milwaukee artists, national artists, and we even have two international artists that... Um, are very prominent. Uh, they have very large social media followings, and uh, we think that they'll be draws by their, their having their art in, in the Milwaukee area. All right, and real quickly, you can just give me the name, no explanation, your underrated restaurant that everyone should be visiting. Well, since this is the Tosa episode, i got to give you a Tosa one, and that's going to be the uh, Growler Gallery above Ray's, 89th and North. All right, Jim? Uh, mine would definitely be a coffee shop, probably either Blue Cafe on North Avenue or... Um, Anodyne down on Harwood. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Thanks, Jeremy.